Your father once threw me out of a window, said Mrs. Armfelt. The Desiree responded, Was it open? No, closed. I fell straight into a lieutenant colonel. He later became your father. You said my father threw you out. He became your father later, I said. Aren't you listening? My God, I loved him so. Which one? The one who threw me out the window, of course. The other one was adult. He never could do anything amusing. Recognize this quotes movie? Stay tuned to find out or check out the title of this episode of Talking Pictures Trivia. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia. I'm one of these friends and today's host, KJ, and with me is... Tom. And Ragnar. Today, we are departing from our regularly scheduled programming to deliver you a rapid-fire format borrowed from our Talking TV Trivia subseries. We'll start with four essential trivia questions. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then, we'll follow it up with a theme discussion, this week being Coming Down to Earth? Tom, tell us about today's movie. Walking up to the theaters in Sweden in 1955, we would have had to choose between last year's movie, Solka Valka, and today's movie, Smiles of a Summer Night. In Smiles of a Summer Night, we follow a number of love triangles and couples, starting with Frederick Eigerman, a lawyer who is married to Anna Eigerman, who is much, much younger than him, um, and who has been making eyes at his son from his first marriage, Heinrich. Meanwhile, uh, our good lawyer friend is trying to charm the actress, Desiree Armfeld, who herself is involved in an affair with the Count Carl Magnus Malcolm, whose jealous wife, Charlotte, plots a plan to get some revenge. All the while, we have the extremely attractive maid, Petra, running around, flirting with a few people, stirring up some trouble, all of which collides in a grand party given by Desiree, in which our whole cast is invited and the love affairs are worked out. It's time for question one. Let's see if anybody gets this right. <laughs> question number one. What can't Desiree's mother, Mrs. Armfeld, protect a single human being from? Locked in. Locked in. KJ, what do you have? Suffering, but kind of cheating a little bit, Tom, because I think, well, there was a lot of text about this movie audience uh, leading up to this. There were essays. Um, there were, I, I don't know, maybe poems, stuff to read. Um, but one of the, the lines that Tom really likes was this one, and I believe it, the answer is suffering. All right, Ragnar, what do, you, what do you have? I think, KJ, you're probably right. Suffering. I remember despair, same ballpark, but suffering is probably the more direct translation all right and it is suffering she says um she can protect a single human being from suffering that's what makes one so weary it's time for question two during the play the character played by desiree 
says that women have the right to commit manifold sins against husbands, lovers, and sons. Manifold sins except one. What is the one sin women do not have the right to commit? Oh, this is a hard one. Pass. <laughs> uh, I, something popped into my head, which I guess I should just trust my gut. Um, yeah. Locked in. All right, KJ, what do you have? Lying? All right, and Ragnar, what do you have? That's what I got to, to lie. No, I'm sorry. It is to offend their dignity. To offend their dignity. Lying's fine. Just don't (laughs) offend their dignity. (laughs) It's time for question three. What can Petra tell by Anna Eigerman's skin and eyes. Locked in. Locked in. All right, KJ, what do you have? So I recently watched um, Hocus Pocus 2. Have you guys seen it? Can we do some light spoilers for How Hocus was Pocus 2? Oh, please. <laughs> please. <Yeah. laughs> don't, was don't it good? It was, it was really good, guys. Everybody should oh. go watch it. Bette Miller's wonderful. But I, are, I don't you, know if you are, you, are you being sarcastic? No, no, she's great. She was, okay. There's right. at least three musical numbers in it. It's, it's awesome. It I sounds like you're being sarcastic. No, still. no, this is <laughs> like it's. <laughs> I I think it's an improvement over the first movie. But if you guys remember, in the first movie, there was certain criteria for lighting the candle. Mm-hmm. So in Hocus Pocus two, they have to kind of like explain it, and the guy says it's somebody who's never lit a candle before. So <laughs> my, gotcha. my answer is wink. She can tell that um, uh, the wife has never lit a candle before. How about you, Ragnar? What do you have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, she is a virgin. All right. And that is correct. Very good. Here we are at the final question. The score is KJ with four and Ragnar with three. But this final question is worth four points. So it's anyone's game. It's time for question four. What does Heinrich ask God to take from him? Locked in. Oh boy, I don't even remember the scene. Is Heinrich? Heinrich's not the lawyer. He's the son. He's the son of the lawyer. Okay. He's the uh, person who has just finished his religious studies. I'll, I'll give you some context. I think that's. No, 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 there's no context. Okay, okay, okay. Ragnar's okay, okay. In. The whole game's on the line. Um, locked in. Okay. What do you have, KJ? His desire for lust. I might be shooting myself in the foot. His desire for his desire for lust, his lust. Okay. Ragnar, what do you have? I'm gonna go with the opposite. He wants his virtue taken away. Oh, and Ragnar's got it. Nice. Uh, last question. This is the scene right before he um, attempts suicide. He prays and he said, Please take my virtue away. And it's a hilarious scene. It's it's uh, even it's though a- he's trying to kill himself, it's it's truly really comical. It's it's also utterly graceful when he hits the button and she and she rolls in. Yep. It's it's hilarious. And he drops the water. He drops himself. the cold water. <laughs> on but it's also like she looks absolutely beautiful, and and it's the exact thing he needs. It's done with such kindness. Also, I ah, it's everything. It's everything. Congratulations to Ragnar, our winner. We'll be diving into our topic of the week, coming down to earth. 
right after the break. Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default, it's not going to print. And even <laughs> if I did that print, I, where is it going to print to? 1982? I, I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Yeah, let's try it. You go west. The troll's clearing. The visible... Oh, <laughs> we died. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> all right the troll the troll saw us and killed us so i think we have to say the answer to the riddle then the answer is dark say dark i think talk to what Gollum. Gollum. say Gollum dark you talk to Gollum. thorin says hurry up and we died and we died so we went northeast last time so let's go southwest you go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring. Oh, wow. That's wait, wait, wait. perfect. Oh, That's perfect. Limited Lexicon, coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back. So I brought this movie forward. I haven't seen it in years, as I said in last week in our first impression. And uh, I, I was reading this um, Stanley Cavell essay, who, if people know, he kind of introduced film and philosophy into some pretty prestigious universities. And before that film was kind of not considered something you studied in a university. It was kind of, you know, it was kind of this base thing. And he brings up this like, kind of personal story of um, trying to finish his dissertation, gonna be fired if he doesn't finish his dissertation, kind of being separated from his his love and um, and finding this movie at that time and um, feeling this kind of identity with these kind of general sentiments of, of guilt and failure in all of these people, especially kind of like all of these, these male characters. And eh, somewhat I am going through a similar process of finishing a dissertation and dealing with romantic complications and 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 finding a movie like this at that this time um filled you know it made me see the kind of what i first thought of as as failures right and my initial topic for this movie was um was winners and losers right and, and seeing a lot of these kind of male characters is actually sort of the losers and, and the female characters is eventually winning and i thought actually that's wrong it isn't quite right what this movie about is is coming back down is having this sort of sense of self that's a little bit up that's a, a sort of chin in the air and instead discovering you're a human being um and that is what made this movie not only hilarious but also kind of filled with with all this pathos for me just personally for for this time in my life, my 
you know, my own autobiography for what's that worth. And that's, you know, really why I, I brought this forward. And that's my kind of reading of it. It's about coming back down. It's about not being this dignified Eigerman who can sleep with all these women, but being a human being. I think when he sees Desiree again, she says, you, you look like such a human being <laughs> again to him when he comes into the dressing room. And, um, and that was my, my kind of initial affection. And I wanted to see what you, know, what you guys thought of that reading or, or what your own reading was. Because I was just, I was so excited to, to share this with you, especially now in my life. So do you think the Colonel came back down to earth? The, the Count? Absolutely. Uh, the Count, yes, the Count. Yeah, he. The last scene is him going to the ground. He's physically going to the ground, and he gives up his unfaithful ways. He says, "I will be faithful to you for eternity." Mm -hmm. But then, didn't didn't he put a caveat in my own way? Yeah, sure. I mean, I. I who knows if he's going to go through with it, right? Um, but there is a there's a humbling process that goes on. And it's not a humbling process in the same way that Frederick has. I mean, Frederick really is, is quite, uh, quite devastated at one point, we see. But there is still, um, his wife has really gotten the better of him at this point, I think. And uh, I don't know, because at the, at the dinner, he says women can't seduce men, only men can seduce women. And mm -hmm. I think what he's trying to say is he loves that game so much. That's what it's about. He, he, We're talking about Malcolm, right? The Count. Yes. The, count. the Count, yep. Yeah. Yes, um, The Count. I, I think he likes to go fishing. He's also kind of interested in having the fish for dinner, but really the fishing is the part that he likes. So I think he just loved this whole thing. I, was he bested? Did he meet his match like uh, the lawyer did? I don't know. I, I would say it's not as... Um, not as extreme a thing, right? I, I don't think he's, he's not humiliated, certainly. I don't know. I don't know if Ragnar, you would you agree or well, disagree I mean, with it. You know, so he's not the main character, right? Frederick is. Mm -hmm. So he, the main character has the biggest transformation of all. But I do think that the Count absolutely goes, maybe he does, like I said, maybe the fall isn't quite as large, but he does give in to his wife at the end. Um, and he literally goes down on his knees, if I remember correctly. And this is a very proud man. And I think one of the funniest characters in any movie, uh, his quotes, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> his quotes about how uh, in the beginning of the movie he says, uh, my <laughs> wife can sleep around, but if anyone, <laughs> if anyone fools around with my mistress, I'm a tiger. <laughs> and then towards the end of the movie, he flips it. He goes, my mistress, anyone can be with my mistress, but if anyone fools around with my wife, I'm a tiger, you know, just absolutely incredible character. Yeah, that was a great line. But that's also why I think he's just playing the game and BSing everybody, even at the end when he's down on his knees on the ground. It could be. It could be. But I don't think he's a liar. I don't think he he mm, would say something that true. he doesn't mean. <laughs> and he, well, and he right. became quite poetic in the end. He said, you know, for eternity and all uh, 57 false sighs or I don't know. He got very poetic. <laughs> But I think he was genuine in his, because he thinks quite highly of himself. So he made it more of a gesture that he's making a gesture rather than he's being taken down. Uh, but either way, he is meeting his wife's demand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's the first time he meets somebody's demand, right? 
up to that point, he tells people what to do. And here he is told. Absolutely. I mean, and that's why I think like, I think he thinks lying is beneath him. He doesn't keep the secret of his mistress from his wife. He has no reason to lie. It's beneath him. He's supremely confident in everything he does and says. So when he does that, I think he he means it. And then, so the, so the the main character, the lawyer, right? It, it he obviously comes down, right? But when you meet your match and you're stuck in a room and some dudes telling you, "Here's the fairest way we're gonna duel," like that's got to be tough. But how about um, uh, what was the actress's name? Uh, Desiree. Desiree. How about Desiree? Do you think she came down to earth? I. I don't think I think that that kind of fall really is f- for the male character. For the men, I think for yeah. the three men, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Heinrich too, and Heinrich has maybe the more interesting fall because it it really is a, a kind of fall from the sort of um, puritanical way of looking at the world. I mean, this kind of Lutheran puritanical way of he he comes from this kind of um, this sort of tradition of comic characters like zeal of the land busy is a puritan that ben johnson wrote about in bartholomew fair who also does a similar thing like he's he's very puritanical but he also can't help giving in at certain points and with him he gives up this sort of kind of bs academic virtue for a a really good match he's really well well matched with anna and and they go off together, um, and that that is really what devastates Fre- Frederick when he sees that. But yeah, I think he gets pulled down. But his pull down is not he's humiliated for say. It's a pull down from this sort of um, this sort of sense of self, right? And I think that's what this idea of with with why I brought that, this question forward about um, offending their dignity, right? That we see in the play is you know th- this sense of of dignity is kind of um, equated with the sense of self. And so what these female characters understand is that if you take that away, you are really damaging these people. And in certain cases, that's necessary because we're in a sort of midsummer night affair where love has to be rearranged in, in order for it to, to um, in order for it to persist, right? This is something taken from, quite deliberately taken from Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream, where people take the um, take the flower, right? The uh, puck stabs everybody, and and the right, you know, and and by the end of it, the right people are in love. We see that scene echoed when um, the older, when Desiree's mother gives the them the wine that supposedly has a kind of potion quality, and after they drink the wine, the right couples are matched up. What's different between this and Midsummer is that the men each have to fall in their own way in order to be matched correctly. The barrier to them being with the right person is dignity, be it the dignity of this kind of puritanical virtue, the dignity of this kind of alpha male dueler thing, or the dignity of being this wolf who can seduce all these women who in fact isn't a wolf. He's he's a a middle-aged lawyer, right? Um, and I think that's that's what's going on in that scene with the with the wine being passed out. It, it was interesting uh, how the men go through a far greater transformation than the women. You know, he has four f- main female characters who are all stunningly beautiful, um, and 
the only Swedish. one I, yeah. yeah i know everybody in sweden it was it's just beautiful uh i think uh what's her name petra petra harriet the, anderson yeah that yeah yes yeah it's just like unbelievable yeah and and bb anderson is in this too she's one of the actresses in the, in the oh in the play yeah 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 nice. an early role for her but anyway nice. so she she goes through kind of the most com- transformation i think of the women um from kind of like a, a self-proclaimed loose uh, morals perhaps you know she's she she like laughs if when she's asked if she's a virgin she said dear dear god no <laughs> uh, to at the end just desperately pouncing on this guy to marry her. Um, so it, it was interesting, but uh, I did like um, Desiree's just like, we know what men want or what's good for men more than they know. So this is why we're going to justify this massive manipulation so that everybody ends up with who we feel is best. Yeah, it, it, that that I do. Yeah, quite a lot. And uh, we could also talk about uh, Anna Eigerman too. Um, uh, Anna, played by uh, Ulla Jacobson, who a, a lot of these actors were sort of regulars in a theater in which um, Bergman directed, and and so they were they had this kind of repertoire that they would go through for for seven months, and then they like make a play in the summer. So he worked with these women quite frequently, and the men as well. Um, but what did you guys think of of Anna? It's interesting. She's sort of the innocent, right? She and and Henrik are both the two the two innocent ones. They don't quite understand it. I mean, she sees uh, her husband almost as a father figure. Yep. They've also never had sex. That, right. that that line has not been crossed. So she's a virgin. She met. Her father, uh, her father, her husband, when she was 16, they married when she was 16. Um, and she finds that the sort of um, the spirituality of the son, apparently like somewhat romantic. He does have a, uh, you can, you can imagine in her eyes, he has a sort of romantic tint, right? That other people just can't see. I mean, for, for Petra, this is just some fun. Um, but for Anna, this is like a tortured romantic soul trapped in this sort of Lutheran cloth. And I, and she's also like actually pretty heartbreaking when she kind of realizes her husband's uh, has this incredible love and lust for, for Desiree. Um, I, I think it's a lovely performance. She, she is a very complex character because like you said, she's 18 years old at the time of the movie that she married at 16, two years later, they haven't consummated the wet, uh, the marriage. And I think she's in a position where, and I'm going to be as PG as possible. She wants to lose her virginity um, because there's a scene where her husband, uh, you know, fondles her and she's kind of into it and getting excited, but confused because she sees him more as a father and, you know, especially when she has Petra kind of like literally whispering in her ear about how great uh, having sex is and all that stuff. But then seeing the virtues and the, the torment and the romance of Hendrik. So she is very much torn um, by that. And like you said, on top of all that, she is still, even though she might not love uh, Frederick, her husband, like a 
maybe like a, a lover, she sees him more as a father figure. She's still extremely jealous, like you said, when when she finds out about the actress, uh, and to the point where she cries. Uh, so it, it is a she's very very complicated, and, and I think was very well portrayed by that actress. And in the end, I think her only path forward was to be with Henry. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm glad that that's what she got. I I loved when um the count's wife comes to tell her about her husband's um frivolities and and she holds her own in that conversation right Mm -hmm. she that's brand new news to her and she turns it right back onto um the the count's wife that was great i i really like that 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 scene was one of the best in the films because not only was it so witty the, the 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 the, the screenplay, the script was just so well written, but those two actresses just make it come alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's Margaret Carlvist, who's also shockingly beautiful. Audience, the, like if you see this movie for no other reason than the beauty of the four leads, that's a good reason to say it. Um, but what do we think of of the Countess, our good Countess Charlotte? I love her introduction. I'll start this. I love her introduction scene. So her introduction scene, we first meet her um, when her husband is practicing shooting and she starts shooting as well. And as it goes on, they're having an argument and it ends with him leaving and her shooting at him and um, missing because it's a a comedy. Uh, But it's still like this, this lovely little flirtation. And as he's, as they're talking, um, he's, making plans to send roses to his lover with a message and then roses to his wife who's in the room with him with no message and i think it was it was red roses for the mistress and mm-hmm. yellow roses mm-hmm. for the wife <laughs> well we're gonna give lots of roses to ragnar who i'd like to once again <laughs> congratulate for taking down this episode you can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our youtube channel twitter at talking studio and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We are extremely grateful for all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. What causes you to become a tiger? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. All right, you can find me on ThomasLayman15 on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at kj one thousand one thousand. Ragnar, thanks so much for joining us tonight. This was a great conversation. We love it when you have come on. Absolutely. It's been a long time since I've been on, and I'm overjoyed to be back, uh, especially with such a fine movie. Oh, we never talked about... Ah, I wanted to mention... Join us next time when we discuss American Animals from 2018 to see why MoviePass chose this as their first acquired movie. Stay tuned for our first impression of American Animals. Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing American Animals from 2018. Tom, how was your watch? Oh, God. Uh, I watched it on the computer. Um, I I finished it off at work because I couldn't get through it the night before. I... I, So I think the worst movie we've watched, in my opinion, was Joker. This was biting jokers but though in 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 terms of of bad films it's profoundly ugly in its sort of attitude 
and it's its characters aren't very interesting so and there's these um there's this aspect to it where the movie's kind of about what's true and what isn't how is memory failing or affording us visions of the world that may or may not exist and it doesn't do a damn thing these kind of reflections on memory don't change a thing about the plot or really tell us anything about the characters that those kind of reflections wouldn't have told us so the thing that the movie got a lot of credit for from critics i found to be like sort of the strangest and most useless thing about it um i thought it was a, a very bad movie though we finally got to see a full performance from the new joker so i guess that's that's something how about you chris that was your first watch i i'm not gonna lie i kind of liked it i definitely liked it more than you did uh I, I look forward to our discussion next week when we actually do the full episode uh i'm 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 very curious as to why you didn't like it as much as you did. I This is the first time I saw it. I watched it on my TV. It was streaming on Amazon Prime, I believe. Uh, I didn't know anything about it except what KJ had told me that it was a, a, a movie that movie that movie pass had decided to produce because they were or they were decided to distribute because they, they, they had analytics that said it was going to be great. I could definitely see where some of the influences come. Like they even do an homage to Ocean's Eleven, like right in the middle of the the heist of it, which is on the no. It was as on the nose as you could possibly get. I I found it in an easy watch. It wasn't arduous. Uh, I it's not a movie I'm probably gonna watch again anytime soon. But I enjoyed it, and I look forward to our discussion. I want to see if I can sway you just a little bit to why this isn't the worst piece of garbage you've ever seen. <laughs> What about you, KJ? What did you think? So I watched this kind of close to release, actually. Um, I'd gotten it from the library on Blu-ray because, as Chris mentioned, um, this was the result of MoviePass's grand business plan and algorithm. And we'll get into it next week because I was I was pretty obsessed with, with MoviePass, not so much as a customer, although it was great being a customer, um, but just how on earth they were going to make any money and they weren't just going to bleed money like crazy. And I thought this movie must have been the answer to that. Um, the, you know, the beginning of the movie is kind of corny, like everybody's saying, but I thought the heist was was really fun. It was pretty intense and it was pretty good. How about you, Nick? What do you think? I had pretty low expectations for this film, just kind of understanding how it came to be and how it was put on our radar here. However, I didn't think it was as bad as I thought it would be. I know that's odd praise there. I did kind of enjoy it. You know, I was along for the ride. The things that jumped out at me were more the experimental nature of different techniques of telling the story. I'm going to definitely talk about that more next week, but it felt very disjointed. They were just trying a lot of things and didn't cut any of the techniques. They just were like, we're gonna just see what works, but we're gonna put it all in there. So that's kind of more of what pulled me out of the film, but I actually didn't dislike it. Nowhere near where Tom is at. Um, I can get through it. I'm not gonna watch it again, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a movie. American Animals is available on Amazon's Prime Video at the time of this recording. And now we're up to our final question. You want to say the score, Tom? Oh, I'm sorry. We are, oh, God, we're at a tie, four to four. 
That's why I wanted you to say it because it's not a tie. Yeah. And then you probably didn't have the score right. <laughs> no, it's it, it isn't four to four. No, Ragnar didn't get the first one right. Oh, so I have four and Ragnar has three. <laughs> I thought he got the first one right. It wasn't oh. for the audience, Tom. It was for you. <laughs> 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 <I'm> sorry. <laughs>